everyone. My name is Patrick LeBlanc, your host, and welcome to Insights Tomorrow, brought to you by Microsoft. Let's deep dive with leaders and innovators in the data space. We're going to explore the challenges, the opportunities that organizations face in their data journeys. In each episode, we will invite some data leaders, experts, and some practitioners who share their unique perspectives on how data transformation is changing their business. Let's explore this data journey together and what it means to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Insights Tomorrow. I'm your host, Patrick LeBlanc, and today we have two people with us, two great people who are specialists in data governance. We have Eric Zwiefel and Kumaran. Before we get into this, guys, can you each do a quick introduction of yourselves to tell the world who you are? Yeah, Kumaran, why don't you go first? <laughs> Thanks for that, Eric. Um, my name is Kumaran. I'm based out of Singapore. I officially joined Microsoft only about six, seven months ago as the chief data and analytics officer. Prior to that, uh, I was at Google for about two, two and a half years. And pri even prior to that, I was in McKinsey and company uh, for like slightly over three years, doing a lot of data transformations with companies, enterprises, and helping them through their data strategy. I actually started my career in the military. So I spent about almost a decade with the Singapore Air Force, but I decided I wanted to do a little bit more commercial work. So that's me. Eric? Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have let you go first because I feel very underaccomplished after that. Uh, my name is Eric Zwiefel. I am the uh, Chief Data and Analytics Officer of the Americas uh, here at Microsoft. I've been with Microsoft about seven years now, focused a lot of the time on uh, AI and machine learning. Before that, I was a data scientist at Target and uh, in clinical research at Medtronic for a while. Wow, Medtronic. I know Medtronic very well. Work with them a bit on the team that I work on at Microsoft. Okay, so... From what I understand, you two know a lot about data governance, lots and lots and lots of stuff about data governance. And to me, it's a very broad and complex topic. And I was going to start by asking you, to, what, what's your definition of data governance? But I decided I'm not going to do that. That's too easy. That's too easy. That's too easy. Because <laughs> when I think about data governance, it's kind of a misnomer for me. It's kind of a misnomer. It's kind of, to me, it is, it's inaccurate when I talk about data governance. I think that term yeah. alone is inaccurate. And what I think about data governance, I think it's more about how the users use the data instead of the actual data itself. And that's just me. That's just Patrick. But I want to throw it over to you. And do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think when you think about data governance? Is it the data? Is it the users? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And I would say I would agree. It's it's all about, mostly about the users, maybe not all. It's mostly about the users, the culture, and so on. I've actually talked to several CDOs that have said, I hate the term governance because it just is too close to government and no one wants to participate. <laughs> and so uh, I would say, yes, it's about how companies look after their data. Essentially, you want to be able to answer, where is my data Who's looking after it? Who has access to it? Who has accessed it? And so on. Yeah. Yeah. Kamaru? Yeah, I think you put it uh, really well uh, in what, what governance is. And I think, to me at least, governance is not a one-time thing. I think it's, it's a continuum. That's one thing that I'm seeing a lot of today. A lot of uh, enterprises, CDOs, business lines, CIOs, they're all looking at governance as a end-to-end -end process, which they want to start, but then they don't know when it ends, 
But the problem is it never really ends, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the big shift in the industry where there are a lot of tools out there to help you with the automation. And I see that's where governance is actually taking off now because we used to do governance, I don't know, years ago, right? In, like when I was in McKinsey and we needed, I don't know, 20, 30 people to fix one particular domain. <laughs> now you have one person handling five domains, right? Because of the technology yeah. development. So that to me is, is just the governance, the end-to-end life cycle. Yeah. But so if I'm an organization, I'm enterprise and, you know, we have data. Data's everywhere these days and you have if I ask someone how many data sources they have in their organization, they can't answer that question, you know. But what triggers what triggers this governance conversation or, hey, why do we need a governance strategy or implementation? What what are the indicators that we need to implement this? I, I would say that the indicators are you have data. <laughs> if you have data, you need governance. And what often will kick it off and companies really start looking at it, unfortunately, is either some sort of event that happens like a, a data breach or a question that can't be answered. I was talking to a customer recently that the chief marketing officer asked them a question that should have been relatively straightforward to answer, and it took them three months to answer that question. And the first two months were spent you know, knocking on doors, figuring out, hey, do you have this data? Mm. Can you give me access to it? And so those types of events, I think, are what ultimately kicks off. But what should kick it off is just you have collected a data point, and you should start thinking of how you're governing it at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I'm the CIO. Let's pretend I'm the CIO, you know, and I'm running my organization. And I heard you mention something. You said CDO. To me, that's a relatively new term. That's a relatively new acronym. That's a relatively new role in the organization. And so what I see is a lot of CIOs becoming a CIO and a CDO. And I took a screenshot of someone's title the other day. They were CIO, CDO. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I do think there should be a clear distinction of those roles, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Kumar, why why don't you start? Absolutely. That's a great question. And I think this whole role of a CDO I think Eric and I were discussing this uh, a few weeks back. I think it is a persona. I think it is not so much a title, but it is a persona. It is a it is a domain expertise that is kind of shaping up today. It kind of always was around in floating around organizations in different titles. But I think today it has become extremely, extremely critical. And we had this internal scaling event where we went around actually wanting to talk to many different CDOs and we kind of recorded them and we had a discussion with them to play back to our internal audience. And, you know, it was super clear that this particular role of persona is super uh, muddled and, and confused. And there are a lot of people wanting a lot of things out of this CDO. Are they doing governance? Are they in charge of business transformation? They're supposed to have IT skills, you know, and there's so many, and you see like, you know, there's so many books around how to be a successful CDO because, you know, it's very hard to be successful with all these competing demands. So I think the industry is going to normalize the definition of a CDO. And we're seeing at least what I'm seeing um, in Asia and how it's kind of normalizing to a fact where the CDO has responsibilities on both ends of the spectrum. On one end, they're responsible of delivering business value using data. And on the other end, they're also responsible to understand the technology to be able to actually deliver this business value. So they sit right in the middle and to kind of barter the two sides. That's my that's my take. Eric, I see you shaking your head. I'm wondering, do you agree? Do you have something to add around this new CDO? 
Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. The way that I think about it really is we like to equate data and technology, but they're absolutely not equal. Data existed before written language. You can find cuneiform tablets that look like an Excel spreadsheet. And so the CDO or CDAO to me is the person that is responsible for A, overseeing the data, not the technology that the data is stored in, but the data itself as a corporate asset, and then using that corporate asset to drive value for the business and kind of helping champion that piece of it and and driving there. And I think we've seen this role get a lot more emphasis after the 2008 financial crisis because while it did not cause the crash, it definitely, data quality and the ability to access data sets hampered the ability to respond to the crash. And so I think you see a lot of effort as a result looking at CDOs starting to get more and more popular and even required in in some industries and segments. Okay, so we have our CDO, we have a CIO, we have our CDO, our CDAO. Um, Where do we start? As an organization, where do we start with this process? Is it Can we just go buy a, a wizard piece of software and go click, 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 next? It's all ready to go? Or is there processes and strategies and things we need to do to get this in place? That's the money question, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the money question. <laughs> yeah. That's I why think. they pay me the big bucks. That's why they pay me the big bucks, man. <laughs> Wonderful question. Um, I, I'm just going to say a quick, quick word, uh, and then Eric, I think, uh, share your thoughts. <laughs> to me, I mean, to me, like driving value with data, having that data driven strategy, I think I've seen this like for almost a decade yeah. now, right? Yeah. But it all existed on PowerPoint, right? I think the concepts are, are, are the same, right? Nothing has kind of shifted in terms of the process. I think what's happening today is that there's a realization that firstly, cloud trans- the, the cloud allows you to enable this transformation in a, much, in a much more agile and I would say scalable way, right? So people are now putting their thoughts into action and actually doing it. And the first thing they're all doing, and I think the right thing to do is figuring out what the business use cases are, right? So where where is the business use cases line? And then they're mapping that back to say, okay, these are all my domains. These are all the data sets that need to kind of shift to the cloud or I need to utilize. And they're spinning up infrastructure to do that, to move that to the cloud. And then they're tagging on the analytics capabilities that's required to process the data for the value. So it's all kind of coming together because we now have the ability to um, be not be not afraid, I guess, for huge capex investments to actually get value from the data. And it's starting with the business requirements. I'm not going to go into the whole spiel of like step one, step two, step three, but this is kind of like a high level. <laughs> Eric, where do we start? Eric, where do we start? Yeah, I think for me, the first place to start is understanding this isn't a technology problem. This is a a culture and a process problem. It's like 99% culture and process and 1% technology. And so starting there and and knowing, first off, you you just got to start, right? You don't have to design the perfect governance system. Start with like, can I catalog my data? Do I know what data is there? Then when you get that, then you can layer in the next thing that's most important to your organization. Is it really going after data quality next? Is it going after data lineage next? What makes sense for your organization, for your industry? For Are you in a regulated environment and all of that? But just, you know, A, get started. 
get started with something small. And usually the best thing to start with is just knowing what data do I have and where is it? So getting an inventory, just getting an inventory of everything that's out there. So, exactly. so we've started, we have our CDO, we've started. What obstacles, what typical obstacles do you see and how do we overcome those obstacles? You knew, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. It was coming. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Absolutely knew it was coming. <laughs> Again, this if, if the last question was the, the real good one, this is like <laughs> number two on that list. Yeah. I think that the big obstacle that you have that I have had doing these projects in the past is, uh, again, that cultural piece, getting people to understand things like, hey, data is a corporate asset. It's not a team asset. It's not an individual asset. Just because you've had that data sitting on a SQL server under Bob's desk for 10 years doesn't mean that it's not owned by the corporation. And so that's the important, like that's one of the the main things that you struggle with at first is getting people to understand that there's a need for this. Oftentimes you get into the, but it's been working so far. Yeah. And you run into that. And then as you start implementing things, I was talking to a customer at the Gardner Data and AI Summit this week. They say, you know, we start implementing these things and then we start to find data quality issues that have been there for 30 years and everyone's done Band-Aid patches around it. And so then we start going after that and, and you get pushback saying, but it was working before and you're making it worse. And what they don't understand is it, it was really bad before. <laughs> we're trying to make it better going forward and we're going through a little pain. Maureen, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I think one thing that I'm seeing is a big obstacle, and I agree with everything Eric just said, is fatigue. I think a lot of companies are having, I would call it data fatigue, or like, I'm trying to avoid using the term hype cycle because it, it doesn't apply here, but almost people have been hyped up about how much value data can drive for years now, right? So there's a lot of fatigue in the business. So the business, if you go to a business today, if the CEO goes to say, look, you know, I want to help you drive value with your data, just going to roll their eyes, right? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Talk to me again in two years, right? So there is a lot of fatigue. And I think we are trying to address that in two ways. Uh, one is actually in terms of the people is what, what Eric said. I think it's a lot of skilling that is required. And it's a huge obstacle to get people to actually understand what what data can do, what the technologies out there, but even more so what, what value the, the data can drive. And then the other one is just process, understanding what the process is. That's it. So... Can either of you or both of you talk about Microsoft's transformation in their governance journey? I've been at Microsoft a very long time and I used to work in the field and trying to get access to data to see what I was selling, how I was doing. It's not 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 a trivial thing, but now it is it's, it is much better. Maybe it's because of you. But can you talk about that journey? <laughs> I wish we could say it's because of us. Uh, we've we've learned uh, right along with you as Microsoft's gone through this journey and been talking to the people that have implemented it, learned a lot of great lessons learned from that. But I was surprised to find out that as of, you know, as late as 2019, Microsoft didn't have a data strategy and didn't really have data governance. And it's like many organizations, we grew up over the last 40 years we had acquisitions, we had data silos, we had changing technology, and that's just the part of where everyone has been. And so, yeah, we've gone through this journey over the last four years to really start implementing good data governance practices. And it, it's still a journey, and we're still on that. Yeah. yeah. 
And the only thing I would add is, you know, I'm fairly new to Microsoft. Yeah. So I, I hear this from others about what, what Microsoft went through. And, and I echo Eric's sentiment when I say that was just surprise. I was like, okay, wow. I mean, our challenges are just the same as any other enterprise out there. Just because we're a quote-unquote tech company doesn't mean we have everything kind of figured out. So it is a process. It was painful. I mean, of the we're speaking to the people who have went through this. It was a process. It was painful. But I think the 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 overall transformation journey is still ongoing. Yeah. And that's the yeah huge surprise to me actually. At Microsoft, we are focused on driving a data culture through self service, and a lot of organizations are adopting that practice. Where hey, let's just. We, we get the data, we put some governance strategies around it. Let's put the data in the hands of the people that's really going to use it. So instead of consumption-based, we're talking about self-service. How does governance differ in those two arenas? You know, what's the difference? What's What, what different strategies or different objectives would I have when I'm saying self-service or just purely consumption? Yeah, when you get into a self-service culture, you need to have a little bit of flexibility in your data governance, or it needs to be more uh, like ambient data governance, if you will, mm. that it's happening in the background. You need to train everyone that's there because part of this, as you start to do self-service, we need to get our folks to understand it's responsible self-serve. Just because you can make a data copy and save it to Excel on your laptop doesn't mean you should. And that's part of, you know, everyone understanding uh, what that looks like. So as a former data scientist, I know for sure if I don't have access to the data, I'm going to find a way to get access to the data, whether you want me to or not. And so you better have a way for me responsibly to get access to it. Gotcha. Gotcha. I would just borrow this phrase that I think is used in Microsoft quite a bit about being Discipline at the core and flexible at the edge. I think we use that a lot, and I found that so powerful. It resonates so well with a lot of the clients and customers. And that flexibility comes with responsibility, as what Eric just mentioned. But yeah, I just see a lot of the tools helping. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm a big fan of the people in the process, but I also feel that now in the last two years, the tools and the ability to make it so simple to be to be disciplined in data governance is the key trigger. So we've been on a journey. I don't know if you noticed, I've been taking us on a journey with these questions, right? And we're going to culminate at some point uh, <laughs> with the final thing. But so we've hired our CDO, we've overcome the challenges, we have our strategy down for putting our governance in place. So now we can just kick our feet up. It's done. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Is that a, is that a true statement? <laughs> I mean, we're done. Uh, if if you want your business to stagnate into nothingness, yeah, sure. Kick your feet up and, and don't do anything. But your business is going to keep changing and your data is going to keep changing. And you're going to have new things come up you never thought of before. Like when we talk about the age of AI, the governance challenges that are going to come out of the age of AI, not only on the data side, but on the practical modeling side and so on. It's not you're never done with governance, just like you're never done with your board of directors having corporate governance. You're never done with data governance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an iterative process, right? It's ever growing. It's ever evolving. Kamarin, do you have, you want to add anything to that? The only thing I would say is we go back to this, the core that, you know, data drives business value. And if you're continually wanting to drive business value for the business then you have to continually do governance. And, and just taking that open AI or, or AI example, there's so many customers today that we speak to and they're like, oh, we want to do something in AI. And then we realize they're 
firstly, they don't know where the data is sitting and they can't do anything. So it, this will always be continually happening. So I think it's, it's, it's exactly what Eric said. Okay. Okay. So last one. And I think to me, this is my favorite one is, and I, I want a response from each of you on this one. And so how do you foresee the industry going with governance as the culture shift and in breaking these barriers? You know, so I want everyone to have all the data, but I want to make sure the data is pristine. I want to make sure it's clean. They can make the right decision. They can ask the right questions of the data. Where do you see the industry going with this? I'll just take a stab at that one. Okay. And I think we kind of already see it happening. Yeah. We feel that governance is, ha- at least I think that governance is, is happening, it's so critical because by getting those insights from the data is going to be highly automated. Like, for example, if you see how Microsoft is doing Copilot, they're integrating AI into a lot of these capabilities to extract insights without having to do the manual work to get the insights, right? Which means, so what is the implicit understanding? The implicit understanding for that approach is the fact that you've got your data in order. You've got your data. You know what the classifications are. You know where the data is supposed to be stored. You know where to point the intelligence to tell the intelligence to get that particular data. So there's a very subtle, implicit intention to say that governance is going to be core because the capabilities and the technology and the intelligence is going to come fast and furious. So that's how I see the industry shifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. Yeah, and I'm I'm still trying to understand, and I think everyone is, how AI will play a role in how the governance industry shifts. So as you start to look at things like GPT-4 and so on, you know, it's, everyone's talking about it now, but there are some real practical applications here. Like what if I'm scanning a data set and the model can then build a data catalog for me? And then it's just up to the humans to quickly say, no, that's, you know, editing a little bit. And so, again, I think it'll, I'm hopeful that it'll help us get to this type of ambient data governance, that it's always there, always kind of helping guide what we're doing, looking after our data with us, like a data governance co-pilot, if you will. Yeah, ever evolving, ever growing, ever changing, but always meeting our needs. I think it would be great. Yeah. And my favorite part of that, that that comment was there: the humans, the humans, right? The humans would just do something while the the AI builds everything. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much for taking time out of your busy day. We really appreciate time, and we'll see you somewhere on the interwebs. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. It's been great. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Insights Tomorrow. Be sure to catch us next time as we continue the journey to uncover the challenges and the possibilities that organizations face every day. You can find more about the show and catch future episodes at insightstomorrow.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.